I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. This episode, we're breaking down the C's seven-game win streak, a week-long break around the London game, and we'll bring on our own Josh Point to talk about it from a Blimey's perspective. I'm Topher Lane, here with Mark Allison. How's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Just uh, for, for the uh, record, everybody, we're coming off the end of that Viking Saints game, which is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Oh, um, my God. That was a little, little, little aside from basketball here, but holy crap. That was wild. Yeah. I was not ready for that. Like four lead changes in the course of, like, I think three and a half minutes of game time. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And, I mean, that has to be soul crushing. I mean, I really didn't care who won the game, but, like, wow. That was like, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to comprehend what I just saw at the end there. I, I, I would have probably jumped out the window had that been my team. Jeez. It's, it's cool that the Vikings have a chance to be the first team ever to play basically a home game for the Super Bowl because the, the Super Bowl is going to be held in their stadium. It's cool that they mm-hmm. might be the first team to ever actually play at home in the Super Bowl, which I, it's I, cool. I but at the same time, as a Patriots fan here, um, you know, not not ideal that a potential opponent, should we make it to the Super Bowl, be playing in the comforts of their own home. I, I kind of don't like that. But, yeah, you know. but it's indoors. Yeah, you know? I, and I mean, the crowd's not going to be full-on Vikings crowd either. I mean, people travel for the Super Bowl anyways, but um, I mean, the, the Patriots will be the villains no matter what, so it doesn't really matter. But. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, playoff football, obviously it's a great time to be a sports fan, especially in New England, sports fan uh, with the Patriots having dispatched the Titans on Saturday and moving on to the AFC Championship. So it's a good time to be a Celtics fan and a Patriots fan, Boston fan in general. But let's bring it back to basketball. Yes. Talk about how we were not actually in the United States for our only game this past week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll have more with Josh and and Justin. Josh was there. Uh, He's our, our UK correspondent of sorts. Um, and he was, you know, covering it for his own blog that he works on. He's also Celtics Life staff writer. So we got a lot of guys who are going to be talking about this uh, from a closer perspective than what we had. But watching the game, did, were you able to watch it? It was three o'clock. You were able to get off work, right? Leave it too. I did. I I dipped out early just for it. Um, yeah. at three o'clock in the afternoon. So what's the time? Four hour time difference? Is was it seven hours? I mean, I um, seven o'clock there. I, I would. Expect I think, yeah, it's either four five. or five, but. Um, somewhere around there. So it was either at seven or eight o'clock tip off, I think. But Probably. uh, this yeah, is what it, it was like Josh on for the hours, stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Josh will clear this up for you guys later. But um, <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, it was awesome game. I mean, down again, what twenty two? Um, rally back. It seems to be like our mantra this year. So whether they're in the states or or overseas, uh, same thing. No, no give up in this team. But. Yeah, I mean, and, and how about Jason Tatum and, and Kyrie just going off in the third quarter? I, me- I remember watching the first half and being like, oh, it re- really would be nice if they could cut it to 10. I think it was nine at halftime they were down. Uh, uh, a lot. Enough that I was I was really discouraged. You know? I, I think they had cut it to, uh, to single digits, though, because they were down 22 at, you know, in the second quarter. But I, I, I thought maybe, maybe it was more than that. But either way. You know, they, they rallied off, like, they just, you know, started chopping away. And, uh, like, Tatum hit, like, three buckets in a row that were just, like, ridiculous. Step back, pull up jumpers, like, awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was cool to see. He blew the kiss to the bench. Back, they were still, tra- they were, like, mm-hmm. trailing by, like, 
20 something and mm-hmm. he hit that three and then blew the kiss to the bench for Philly because they had been like trashing him and said, you know, that's off. That's off as it was in the air. Yeah, yeah. Nackett turned around and blew a kiss to him. I thought that was phenomenal. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, really awesome stat about this. The Celtics, in addition to their seven game win streak, they're also now seven and five in games that they've trailed by 13 or more. That's insane. Seven and five when they're when they're trailing by thirteen more. Twenty six against the Rockets, that huge one. The eighteen against the Thunder early on, and then a bunch against actually really good teams for the most part. You know, it's the Warriors. They were down by seventeen, surged back. You mm-hmm. know, it's a lot of a lot of guys that they you know fought back against adversity. And you know, you're playing in London. You got kind of this weird atmosphere. You got some weird stuff going on. A lot of players said the rim was crooked. One of them. Right. And you know, it's like you got all this weird stuff going on, and they they came back in, you know, really strange circumstances to come back twenty two down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a really awesome game, fun to watch, especially if you were able to keep up after halftime. Maybe feeling pretty down, but a really fun game. We'll have more on that. We'll have uh, Josh and Justin break down more on that later in the podcast. We'll move that to just kind of how we got to this point. So after this game. Boston has now won seven straight, which right now is the longest in the league. We've got an easy week ahead, though, the Celtics. Three games in the course of an entire week against, I I guess the Pelicans are not necessarily an easy game. Anthony Davis went off for like 45 and 17 against the Knicks. But Mm -hmm. do you see a plausible loss in sight? Well, I I think that Pelicans game, I mean, even though we're coming in rested, um, I I think that's a weird matchup for us. But uh, beyond that, you know, the, the, a little, maybe a little rust, um, having not played since last Thursday. Uh, I, I mean, obviously the rest is a good thing with the schedule that we've had to play thus far, but at the same time, I mean, it wouldn't really shock me if, if they came out kind of flat. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think you saw that rust going into the opening half of the game in London? The- it could very well be. Yeah. Given, given that they had all that time off leading up to the game too. Um, because it seems like they were flat then too. I mean, Kyrie couldn't mm-hmm. figure out a shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like they were kind of flat, which, you know, at least before we were attributing to, well, they're tired. You know, you can tell that they just have a, you know, they're just a step slower because they've been playing so much. But this was right. for like, what, four or five days off? Right. And it just seemed like they just didn't really know, like, just couldn't get into the swing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I wonder if, I, I think you're right. Maybe rust will be a, a thing or an issue. And, you know, against the Pelicans, and like I said, Anthony Davis just went up for like 45 and 17. Right. That's not a team you can sleep on in the first half. Because they're, they're a defensive team that just will not let you back into a game. And, and that size is a weird matchup. I, I wonder if uh, we'll probably see Baines in the starting lineup, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Horford, obviously. Although well, Horford's been pretty solid and been a good matchup for um, Cousins, but. You know, I mean, obviously, there's not really a good matchup for Anthony Davis. So, no. yeah, I, I I just think they're a weird matchup. And then, you know, it's, you know, that size and that skill level at, you know, with their bigs, given that with the fact that we haven't played in a, in a bunch of days, uh, you know, that that has the recipe for being, a, a you know, a, a down game for us. So when I, I say when I yeah, when I say, like, is there a loss in sight? You say, yeah, the next game we're going to play. <laughs> it's kind of your yeah 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 yeah. Is there a loss in sight? I mean, well, I I think that's the biggest threat, anyways. Um, you know, the obviously Phillies, are, uh, you know, even Phillies are not, you know, we, we've we've beaten them now, but you know, that's 
still a young team, you know, whatever. They've got some, they've got some good players there too. So, I mean, it, it's funny because like we were looking at like the schedule coming up and we got Golden State in a, you know, the end of next week. Uh, we got a back to back with the Clippers and the Lakers, I think next Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday. That's got some potential over it. So, I mean, even though some of the matchups that we have coming up aren't great, it's, it's kind of like, the NBA always works this way where like a team that's like, you know, you wouldn't even expect to win all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and you guys come out flat and they beat you. So, I mean, I, I you know, it's hard to say that we'd just roll through this part of the schedule. Yeah, I, I think Philly is going to come out kind of angry because now mm-hmm. they're they're 0-2 against the Celtics this season. Right. And now that was a tough loss. Like, yeah, that, was yeah. a, that was a painful loss. And you could tell that they were really just well, flat. They, they were deflated. The mm-hmm. Sixers by the end of that game in London. Yeah, and you know Joel Embiid now has had two bad games against the Celtics, which reporters have asked, "Do you think it's because of Al Horford?" He goes, "No, I just haven't been, you know, I just haven't been feeling it. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. I say it's because of Al Horford. I think, I, I think it's Al Horford as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I say it's because he's been playing defense against it, but I feel like he's going to have to mm-hmm. prove something. He's going to really come right. up there with an effort to prove something. So, you know, I yeah, could, I could see this being a tough week. I know that we're coming off of a a really long rest, one game in the course of like nine days, but it's still going to be a test of a week. I think Orlando mm-hmm. is the only team that we, you know, kind of relax against, but you right. can sleep on on the Pelicans or the Sixers. And and given that, even though like we're talking about the rust, I, I obviously I still think for the long haul, that rest was like the best thing that could have happened to them. You know, mm-hmm. just the way that it happened to work out with the schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's great. It's almost like a, they get a, they got that nice break and then a month from now they'll get another one with the all-star break too. So it's like a, you know, I, I think it's, it was perfect timing for them anyways, given the, all the, the hard schedule they had so far. Yeah. It is important to note Jason Tatum was having some kind of lingering knee soreness after the, the game mm-hmm. in London. And it's been kind of vague from the Celtics. We, we've heard about this, this nagging soreness, I think, is what's, what it's being described as. They had it looked at. I think they did an MRI, but I haven't heard a lot from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I, have you, I mean, Jason Tatum was, you know, instrumental in that game on yeah. Wednesday or Thursday, I think. And, He's been actually a really huge part of, of the offense this season, especially in games when we're struggling. I'll go back to the Nets game, the last game before this kind of break that we had, where mm-hmm. the Celtics were really, you know, just couldn't find a lot of momentum, couldn't find a guy to work with. And then Jason Tatum had that huge dunk and then that yeah. three that really changed the momentum and ultimately won the Celtics that game. That was that frantic finish with the, the ball under the basket too, right? Where the, yeah. uh, the Nets were trying to tip that in. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was there I was, for that game, and I was I was terrified. That's right. Whistle. I was, you know, yeah. I was convinced there was going to be a foul somewhere. But well, I, you know, and, and and but having said that, I mean, I think it's it's best when they let it play out like that, where it's you know guys banging around a little bit, and letting them play. Obviously, maybe I wouldn't be saying that if it was us, but you know, it's I don't know. It's it was it was a, it was a cool finish that they didn't blow a whistle, and then there wasn't a couple of free throws there. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think do you think that we can stand to to have Jason Tatum sitting for a while? I mean, we don't know what's going on. Yesterday, he sat out of what was described as a light practice, according to mm-hmm. reports. Steven says they don't really know what's going on, and they sent him for imaging. We still haven't really heard anything yeah. about that injury. But 
I feel like the Celtics would be a little bit more vocal if it was something serious, but you know, it might just be that he's kind of sore and they're just taking it easy. Yeah, and I mean, well, the one thing that they have going for them is um, it seems like Marcus Morris is cleared to to play like full time now. I think that's the plan going forward, anyway. So, if we were to you know have Tatum miss any time, at least I don't think uh, I think Morris is available, you know, for like without minutes restrictions going forward. Um, and because remember they were sitting him on back to backs and stuff yeah. like that before, and I'm pretty sure they were talking about last week after this break that he was going to be good to go. So um, hopefully that's the case because that'll obviously help. So put Morris at the three then in place. Well, of, I, play, assuming that we're like, if we're saying that Tatum is going to be sidelined for any period of time, would you, would you start Morris over anybody else? Or would you start smart? Um, no. I, well, I, I think, I mean, obviously they'll do the matchup thing. They'll play Baines in some games, right? Um, like probably against new Orleans. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you can switch it up. You can you can play Morris at the four. You can play him at the three, depending on the matchups. I mean, hey, the way that Marcus Smart and Terry Rogier have been playing, um, especially on the offensive end, um, you know, giving them more minutes, that's that's A-OK in my book right now too, right? So if we go a little smaller. Um, but I just think having Morris, who's, you know, the similar size, at least defensively, will help, um, you know, fill in for Tatum's shoes. Well, I, I say this with, a lot of concern because now I, I read NBA's or Reddit's NBA subreddit all the time, mm-hmm. and there is a, a very strong conspiracy that when the Ringer writes about a team, that they that they immediately are essentially cursed. Now the Celtics have been blessed by Lil B, right? So they've got their own their own like superstition on on their side. But Ringer right. wrote, I think two or three days ago now, so the end of last week. The Boston Celtics might be unprecedented. That's the headline of this article. And I went through, when I when I was pitching this segment to you, I went through all the situations mm-hmm. that the ringer has written about stuff. And right. You know, the exact opposite has happened. So the Pistons, when they wrote, it's time to take Andre Drummond to the Pistons seriously, suddenly that's when the Pistons fell apart. Uh, when they talked about um, the Pacers and Victor Oladipo, and they wrote an article about how they're legit. They're a legit team. That's when Oladipo went down, missed four games, and the Pacers dropped like seven of the next ten. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I listed off like six or seven different situations yeah. where this. I, I, I'm convinced this is a legit issue. So this injury, with all that info, with all that, you right. know, with all this stuff <laughs> going on, seems terrifying. It's got you rattled. It's, it's got you rattled. Got me really rattled, man. I'm, freaked out i'm convinced because like, they wrote this article and i read it, it was like a solid article you know they talk about how yeah. Celtics are set up for not only current success but also that they're they're set up for when the reign of lebron ends and when you know golden state you know ages outside of the outside of constant relevance and, and all that right the celtics are both the youngest they're the they're only team that is on track to win more than 50 wins that's under the average age of 25 since like mm-hmm. I think the Thunder with James Harden and and Westbrook, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So a few years, back. yeah, and that that's the last time it happened when those two teams mm-hmm. won fifty and fifty-five games respectively. I think the fifty-five was right. the year they went to the finals, and then before that it was like the Blazers in like seventy-nine, and then Kareem's the Walton Blazers, I think, yeah, and then and then Kareem's Bucks. 
Okay, yep. So, Which was right around the same time. Yeah, so like those were the last times that teams with an average age of under 25 had won 150 games. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool, right? Celtics are doing well. Good young team, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Leader is a 26-year-old Kyrie Irving or 25-year-old Kyrie Irving. And then you got these two studs you know, in Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. But mm-hmm. are we cursed? Did they do this to us? Are we screwed? Well, this will be the ultimate test of the little B. Um, so, you know, if if the little B blessing can outlast this this ringer curse, it's going to be pretty pretty uh, interesting <laughs> to say the least. I feel like you're not as yeah, that's pretty wild. Well, with the well, now that you say with the injury too, that kind of scares me. I feel a like bit. you're not taking this you as know, seriously. I, I I well I no I I <laughs> I am, but you know I I'll tell you what I will be if. If Jason Tatum is not playing in Tuesday night's game against the Pelicans, you you have my uh, attention with this. What do we What do we do? What do we call? <laughs> we need to like figure out. We get the article taken down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I swear. We need we need this. We need we need to get Simmons on the line, and uh, we need this retracted. Okay, so <laughs> I'm looking back at the pitch that I wrote you because mm-hmm. I, I was writing about. The Pacers, you have to take the Pacers seriously, 2-8 and eight since that point. They wrote about how the Magic mm-hmm. were legit back when they were top of the East, and then the Magic mm-hmm. just fell apart, right? The Magic are one of their... I, I think they went from literally <laughs> first to worst. I think they're just the epitome of that. Uh, OKC, yeah. they said that the, the teams figured it out, and they were 0-3 after mm-hmm. that stretch. Lakers went on a 3-0 win streak after an article said that the Lakers are worse than you think. I just, I've got all these examples. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense. And I've got to give so much props to uh, Reddit, NBA's subreddit. Because for, for bringing this to your all attention. All the investigative reporting. Stuff like that. <laughs> reporting. Yeah, I, I, I do have to say that they've done a great job. And I love consuming it, but I have to say I'm seriously concerned. Yeah, you, you seem shook over I am, this. I am. Stay woke, right? That's the... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's important. All right. Well, I, I just... I don't want to have to say I told you so, like in a couple of weeks. So I, 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 well, I don't want to hear that either because then, then that'll mean that this was all bad. But, but just, I, I'm just letting you know, be prepared. Yeah, just, just proceed with yeah, caution. Just understand, yeah. like, don't, don't be shocked. Mm-hmm. If we fall off a cliff, we'll know, we'll know who to hold responsible. Yeah, if we, yeah, if we go on three next week, then, then we know that it's mm-hmm. true. And we can, yeah, I, I guess just something to keep in mind. You would ask me mm-hmm. because I, I don't, and I started looking around, but I hadn't seen anything about them writing about the Cavs. But the Cavs are on their own losing streak, so I separate from the Ringer curse, which I, I wonder. I still haven't found anything, but I'm sure that there is some some correlation. The Cavs are on their own losing streak. They've lost three in a row and seven of the last ten, Eesh. and they're actually now closer to ninth place in the East than they are to first. So they're they're closer to being out of the playoffs than they are to being top of the East, which is I think a first for them in a really long time. Is this something that they can just turn around? I mean, I, everyone says that. You know, it's it's the regular season, Cavs. It doesn't matter. They don't care. But right. You know, how easy is it to just flip that switch? You know, because there are games where you see LeBron is playing. They're, they're the ones that mm-hmm. you can see the difference when he cares and when he doesn't. You know, and you can see. Right. But, right. You know, this mentality, and I'll equate it to Markel Fultz's shooting form. It, it's just got to be something that eventually you just get used to and it's really detrimental to your team and, and your ability to, mm-hmm. to play because these guys are just going to get used to playing so down and just so without right. any passion 
which is what they look like on a regular basis. Well, the, the, and they looked like this, what, last March too, right? Um, when was it Kevin Love was out, right? Missing time. And, uh, they were, and I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but they lost a bunch of games in March. Remember? Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we gained all that ground. Um, and then, you know, they did manage to turn it on. Obviously they looked like a different team in the playoffs, but here's the thing. Like they don't have their second best player anymore in Kyrie Irving. Right. I mean, he, you know, that he was like a mainstay, like someone they could lean on there. I mean, and Isaiah so far, you know, he had those two good games when he first came back. And, the, and then, uh, you know, he's suddenly all the shots look short. He, you know, doesn't really look like himself going to the hoop. And, you know, I think he was talking yesterday about how, um, you know, it's he didn't ex- he this is what he expected. He was going to struggle when he started. He th- he said he called those first two games fool's gold. Um, and, you know, it, I, I was always a little skeptical about him. With that team, like in a like a starting role, like they threw him in the starting lineup when he came back, and I I, I was kind of shocked because I I kind of assumed that they would you know ease him back in, play him off the bench, and I even thought that he would excel so much playing like that six man coming in scoring that they would leave him in that role, which would suck, and he'd probably be pissed, but um just because you know he'd probably be so effective on that mm-hmm. team, but I don't know that Tyloo exactly knows how to use Isaiah Thomas even if he, you know yeah. what I mean. And that, that is what I said when, especially because I, I had a friend who was a really big Cavs fan. And, you know, my argument was that Brad Stevens unlocked Isaiah Thomas, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say that he, he wasn't capable of that because I think he was, but he just didn't have the right system and the right coach to play for in, in Sacramento, right. in Phoenix. And, and that's mm-hmm. partially why he had two phenomenal all-star seasons in Boston. And I don't take anything away from his playing ability, but I do take something away from coaching ability that, that allows him to do what he needs to do. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's that he needs to be the number one guy, which he was in Boston, and he won't be in Cleveland. I don't know if it's right. you know, just the way that the, the team approaches it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm not a guy who has that, that knowledge of how to identify how a guy can exploit defense the way Isaiah did with the Celtics. But it is different, and, and it's a system that I don't think he's able to thrive in the way that he did with with the Celtics. And I think you're right. If he's playing pick yeah, man, and he has the ability to because he's kind of the leader of the second mm-hmm. unit. Right. right. But right. it's not right. and, at all. Yeah, and, and like we saw last year, I mean, and he got a lot of flack for this sometimes, dominating the ball and stuff like that, but he was effective in when he mm-hmm. did that. And yet when he's going to play with the Cavs, you know, Kyrie's a much better player off the ball than Isaiah is. And he's a better spot-up shooter. And that's why he worked so well with LeBron, because LeBron could dominate the ball for stretches. You know, they kind of had this ebb and flow where they'd go back and forth. And I don't know that Isaiah can be as anywhere near as effective as Kyrie is off the ball when there's times that, like, LeBron is, is you know, the primary ball handler or dominating the ball. So... Yeah, I, I think that's gonna, that's, that's why I think he would be more effective playing a bulk of his minutes, you know, as like, you know, the, the scoring injection that just comes in and, and throws things out of, you know what I mean? He, he can share the floor with LeBron, but when he comes in, he dominates the ball or, 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 you know, work out a, a better, you know, flow to it like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it'd be almost better to reinsert Dwayne Wade into the starting lineup and mm-hmm. leave Isaiah as the sixth man. I think that would be 
I, I thought that's what they were gonna do, and I was I'm surprised that they went to him so quickly. Yeah, because he's he's played in four games. He started three of them. So, yeah, right. I mean he's he's still unlimited minutes. I think he's capped at like twenty or twenty one or something somewhere around there. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. and and he was really effective in his first two games. I don't know if that maybe got the the Cavs maybe they were misled to how far back he was. I mean, you can't just mm-hmm. step back onto a court after missing. Half the no, no. Dominate like that. Like I don't think anybody can do that. Uh, yeah, and like, like he's been front rimming a lot of his shots. I mean, he just doesn't seem to have the legs under yeah. him right now. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, I really want to yeah. see him thrive. I really want to see him do well. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. I want to see him land. You know, whatever, a good contract after this year too. But you know, but he's he's gonna have his work cut out. How for him much now. do you think he means to the Cavs? Sir, I don't know. I don't want to say surging back, but how much do you think he means turning their mentalities around? Because I think they're a lock for the playoffs. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I, I remember looking at the comments yeah. before saying like, oh, they're closer to the ninth seed. People were saying, oh, they're going to miss the playoffs. I just don't care. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> there's like zero not chance unless LeBron yeah, gets hurt. Right. <laughs> but how how much does Isaiah mean to the Cavs turning it around from a mentality perspective of fixing their their issues with? This kind of lack of passion on the court and lack of really desire to be playing maybe a hundred percent. Well, I think he could be a huge catalyst for that um, that passion because I mean we know how he when he plays. I mean this guy leaves it all out there, right? So he can be like I don't want to say like inspirational almost to to some of the other guys on the team if he's playing at his potential, right? You know when guys see this guy go to the rack and get knocked down and jump back up. And I mean, you know, we we saw that for the last, you know, three years in, in Boston. Uh, you know, obviously, the, that I think that alone would be huge, but they're going to need him to score because, I mean, what else are we looking at here? I mean, Kevin Love is, uh, you know, he can score some points, but like Tristan Thompson's been pretty awful. Um, well, that's the Kardashian curse. You know, if you want to... Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, we're talking curses. We're talking <laughs> curses here. That, this is <laughs> this is proven. This dead set. Um, Just gotta drop that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I can't. Obviously, LeBron can do. There's a lot that LeBron can do, like himself. But I mean, he's gonna need other guys to, to you know, pick up some of that slack. And Isaiah is a candidate for it for sure. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that he. I think he does have to be a guy who brings that energy. And I'm not sure if it has to be in the second unit, but we were talking about it during the Cavs-Celtics game about a week and a half ago, I think, whenever that game was. And Isaiah sat for it, Mm -hmm. but we were talking, I think either you or or Justin had said, yeah, it really makes sense why Kyrie wanted to leave because you just see how unmotivated they are on the floor. Nobody... They weren't chasing rebounds. You know, it just, you could see a difference in just the fight between the Celtics and the right. Cavs. And, and it made no mm-hmm. sense. I mean, it, it's a, it's a game. It's a competition. Like, it doesn't matter if it's regular season or playoffs or not. Like, you should be playing, you know, just, just go all out. I mean, you yeah. have Marcus Smart diving every single game. You know, he puts his body on the line every yeah. single game. And the Cavs, I don't think any of them would do that. I think only Isaiah Thomas would honestly scrap for, plays I, I don't believe that anyone else on the team mm-hmm. would care enough during the regular season mm-hmm. and maybe seeing him do that 
once he starts getting more minutes, maybe seeing him really you right. know, push the limits. And even though he's got this hip injury that he didn't get surgery on, that he really is, is going all out, falling out, that maybe finally he'll motivate some of his teammates. But they just look so unmotivated. And, mm-hmm. again, I'm not going to say they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm not going to say they're even going to drop out of the top four. But I, I do think that this is a team that this is something that could stick. And that they won't be able to just flip this switch when it does get to the playoffs. Because if they just kind of get used to this, LeBron can't will this team to the finals if he's got 14 guys to carry. 13 or 13 and a half, if you want to count Isaiah. So it's just like, I don't think that it's possible for him to continue to do this year in and year out to carry these teams. Yeah, no, I agree. Thousand percent. I I think, yeah, I think it's important to, to look at that. I, I don't. I, they're definitely not missing the playoffs. Where do you kind of see them though right now? Although not necessarily yeah, with this in the picture. Yeah, I don't know. Like, where do you put the the Cavs and the Celtics? I I mean I don't see unless I don't see the Celtics play falling off a cliff. I mean, so I it wouldn't shock me if we're the we're the one seed. I mean, then at this point, that's kind of what yeah. I expect based on the play that we've seen. You know, as, as the Cavs. I still think finish in you know the top four, whether they're you know probably behind the Raptors, right? You know, I still think they'll have home court in the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, the Raptors are looking sweet. And they uh, they almost, you know, rival mm-hmm. their own comeback against the Rockets, against the Warriors, I think, last night, two nights ago. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Uh, they killed it. They were down like 26 or something, surged back and almost won against the Warriors. And, mm-hmm. you know, DeMar DeRozan is now seriously in the MVP conversation. I, you know, he's Definitely. been a stud. And yep. the Raptors, I think, are looking more legit than I think they ever have, at least in this iteration of, of their lineup. So mm-hmm. that's a scary team. And I think they've got a lock for the two. I I, I think the Celtics yep. are locked for the one or the two. I think it's, it's interchangeable depending on how kind of teams play down the stretch. And mm-hmm. the Cavs, so looking at the standings now, are seven back on the Celtics. That's a, that's right. a big gap. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I don't think they would be the team to catch us. I mean, if we were to struggle or falter, I would say the Raptors could come away with the one seat possibly. But I, given that, you know, we've, we've seen time and time again the Cavs team that doesn't really care what seed they get. So they already right now, usually this like time where they have this lull is usually towards more towards the end of the season when they're trying to, you know, just take it easy a little bit going into the playoffs. But given that they're already doing that now, I don't think there's any way they're going to go on some kind of run and, and just take the one seat. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. But, you know, let's get back to the Cs. Let's send it over to Josh and Justin, who are talking about the London game and the environment in the UK. Guys? Thanks, Topher. Well, I am here with Josh Coyne, our UK correspondent. He had the incredibly amazing experience, not only of being able to attend the game, but he also got to talk to a lot of people behind the scenes. Now, as you, you listeners know, it was a win, 114-103. A little scary to start out, but we got past that. I won't rehash it and make you listen to it again because those guys were talking about it earlier. It is, however, the 10th anniversary of the 2018 coming to the United Kingdom and winning it all, which I thought was kind of interesting. Josh, did you notice that the rim was supposedly crooked? I didn't notice. You know what? Until I listened to the J.J. Reddick and Kyrie Irving uh, podcast, I didn't notice that at all. 
Um, so it's, I mean, unless I guess you were on the court, it's not something you noticed. But, you know, as someone who obviously the UK-based basketball fans were desperate of course, for the arena and the NBA UK representatives to nail it, which they did for the absolute most part, 99% nailed it. But to hear that immediately after the game was a bit kind of disheartening, I think, for us kind of people who wanted to say, you know, we can do it just as well as you guys. But no, the the rim was crooked. I mean, I wouldn't take it personally. I've seen plenty of crooked rims in games before and slippery floors and warp parkets and you name it. So, I mean... Not a big deal. Both sides used it, so it balanced out anyway. Exactly. Not to go too, too far in depth with the actual on-court action, we brought you onto this segment specifically so you could talk about your experience, not just with the game itself, but the lead-up and the, the post-game action. We got to talk to some of the more interesting people uh, in the pressers involved in the UK game, and I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about that experience, like maybe in like a kind of a chronological fashion. Okay, yeah. So I... Um... I represented my UK-based website over there, uh, website and podcast under the name of Double Clutch UK. Um, and basically, I managed to make it through the night within, without any egregious faux pas. So I guess it's considered uh, considered a success. Uh, no, it, it was great to speak to many of the people that I got to speak to, included I sat down for a podcast with Taz Mellis, um, I got to speak to people in the post-game press conferences. I recognized all of the journalists and writers and, you know, broadcasters around me, obviously, from um, Adam Himmelsbach to kind of um, Mark D'Amico and basically everyone there that I would be used to getting the information from uh, on Boston Celtics and actually just on the NBA. Those guys were all with me. It was kind of a strange sensation for someone who – is based in London, does but sorry, based in England. I'm not based in London. Based in England, big basketball fan, obsessed, writes and podcasts about basketball all the time. But at that moment, I was in a hub of basketball information that basically on all the most relevant news that you'd get from the NBA that night was coming from the room in which I was in, which is, I guess, quite an interesting place to be. So, yeah, interesting, interesting time. I, I turned up. I got my credentials I went through uh, into the back um, the first thing I did besides kind of uh, well firstly I met Mike Gorman in the back oh very cool um, yeah and you know I'm sure that's a bigger deal to listeners of this podcast than it was when I told people in Britain you know um, and you know a bigger deal than it was at the O2 arena but he was an incredibly friendly guy everyone will be pleased to hear that Um I kind of walked around very when the players were doing the shoot around. I kind of took in the the environment, had, had a look at what the O2 Arena staff had been able to put together in terms of preparing for the spectacle. And then I bumped into this guy called Brad Stevens. <laughs> um, he was incredibly gracious, very friendly. Um, I told him that I'd spoken to him earlier that week um, in a conference call and then he was gracious enough to pretend to remember that <laughs> I, I got a picture with him i obviously had my eyes closed because that's just the way things of course, go yeah um of course um 
Cedric Maxwell was there. I kind of introduced myself to him. Uh, yeah, very, very good time in terms of meeting people. And then a lot of people around us were excited because it's such a one-off event in London to have the NBA in town. A lot of people were excited about other celebrities. It was pretty celebrity-packed, so with Premier League footballers, actors, pop stars. But after I'd met Mike Gorman and Brad Stevens, I was kind of cool with not meeting anyone for the rest of the night. Um, so then there was the Adam Silver uh, presser and obviously it was a big deal to have the commissioner in town um, I managed to ask him a question about sponsorship which I'll be writing about soon um, he seemed to believe that it's uh, it's been a success so far to have logos um, on the uniforms mm-hmm. and he said that there, w- there will be developments going forward um, and that was, that, was, that was a cool time he was uh, you know he kind of had to continuously bat off a lot of questions about people saying, when is it coming to my country? Because there was a lot of (laughs) European, there was basically uh, representatives from the media for almost every European city, it seemed, in the room. And every time they had the opportunity, they would say, you know, when is it coming to Istanbul? When is it coming to Berlin? When is it coming to Madrid? You know, and he he dealt with that like a champion. He continuously batted off and, you know, in the kind of composed manner you'd come to expect from him. Um, and then I went and watched the game. You know, um, I thought that the NBA UK absolutely nailed it. If you're watching on TV, it probably doesn't do it justice because it was a hell of a spectacle, despite the fact that, as expected, from a neutral um, fan base and basically people were just there because they wanted to see basketball for the most part, the atmosphere may have seemed flat on the television, you know, things like that. It may be there were some little quirks that were different to what people were used to seeing, but it seemed as though they'd absolutely nailed it, and it and it felt really good. It was a, as you know, we've we're we're, we're not going to go into the game all that much because we know what happened, and everyone on this podcast or listening to this podcast would know that. So it was a success, and then I went into the post game press conference, and I managed to ask a. Uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, uh, and Brad Stevens, a question. Uh, wasn't so lucky with Brett Brown and Jalen and Kyrie. Uh, but it was interesting, really, just to be in the room and see how people handled themselves, see how professionally people dealt with the media and things like that. Um, and then I grabbed a burger and went home. Nice. So no tea with uh, Scal or Mutumbo or Tasmelis, for example. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to have tea with them. Um, I didn't want to partake in such a gross generalization as though <laughs> British people love tea and English muffins and that's all we eat, although I do drink a hell of a lot of tea. Um, I managed to sit down with Tess Mellis, though. We didn't have a cup of tea. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even sure if we had a drink, but yeah, had a had a large, um, sorry, a really long chat with Taz about the art of podcasting, kind of developing yourself as a podcast about the Celtics, about the Sixers, about everything really, about, you know, um, the pressure to talk about politics and on a US-based show, things like that. Um, and it was really good. So it, it, it was a fun time. Well, let's listen to an excerpt of that. Welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm Josh Coyne and I'm joined at the O2 Arena on the day of NBA London by co-host and co-creator of NBA TV's The Starters. It's Taz Mellis. Taz, how's it going? Josh, happy to be here, man. 
Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, are the English people generally treating you well? Better than I thought. I thought I'd get a little bit of a little bit of toot on the tube, a little attitude here or there. But uh, um, no, just uh, just extremely extremely kind, warm people with uh, some great humor, obviously. And uh, no, I'm, I've enjoyed my. 50 hours that I've been here so far. I'm looking forward to the game and uh, a couple days in London. And did you think you were going to get anti-American, oh well, sorry, anti-Canadian attitude? <laughs> um, no, just, just, no, not so much. Just more, more organic British attitude. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. grumpy. <laughs> so you and uh, several of the guys from the starters began podcasting with the Basketball Jones. Was it around 2006? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and after meeting, that was after a meeting at university years before. It's been a long journey for all of you deciding, since you've decided to throw yourself into the game and throw yourself into this kind of lifestyle. Are you surprised at all by like, how far it's come? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. We started uh, as a passion project, but it was uh, sort of our heads were in the sand. We were just kind of um, naive about the future. But we knew we were creating something good, but we had no idea that people would want it uh, as much as they would. And, uh, you know, we somehow, after several years, again, of just working, um, happened to be just coexist by coincidence, you know, on the same path as the NBA who... Obviously, has um, you know a pretty forward-looking mindset that they took on guys who, yeah, we we started with another or with a Canadian media company doing a television show, but they had that forward mindset that they're looking at it and be like, fans doing a show is kind of the future. I mean, they're absorbing it. Um, you know, I had the pleasure, just for example, I had the pleasure of talking to Adam Silver yesterday, and he was talking about uh, broadcasts with audio commentators like me or you as the guys being, you know, on the call as opposed to Marv Albert and Reggie Miller and that could be the future and they're trying that out on Twitch if people are familiar with that. So that's how forward thinking they are. They're they're they saw these dudes you know, starting in a, in a kitchen. Really cool stuff, Josh. This is something that our listeners should check out the entirety of. We will embed it in the article for the podcast, and you can also find it. And what is the what is the website that you have this hosted on, just so I send the, the people to the right place if they want to read more of your stuff and future podcasts? It's doubleclutch.uk, a UK-based website for MBA. And on Twitter, it's at doubleclutch.uk. And what's your Twitter just so that way people can follow you uh, to keep up on your European reporting? So uh, European reporting and just straight up NBA reporting and general comments of um, the, of a silly nature would be at pound coin is a play on my surname, which is C-O-Y-N-E. So pound C-O-Y-N-E. And for us gringos who don't know that London, excuse me, the United Kingdom uses pound coins that's what they call their money, just so you know, in case you didn't. Fantastic pun. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you while we have you on here, since you were up close and personal, what do you think about Philadelphia's future, long and short term? Do you think they're going to make the playoffs this year? Do you think they are ever going to contend with what they have on their roster? Obviously, we know that kind of um, the impact people can make early on in their development depends on if they're able to formulate uh, long runs of health. And 
for both of these main guys that we're obviously thinking about when we think about Philadelphia, health has been a thing. People recover, people get better. Obviously, far more question marks around Joel Embiid's health, especially as such a big guy with so much weight on him. Um, but the one thing that he's been able to kind of eradicate from his image is a personality thing. People at one point thought that maybe Joel Embiid um, wasn't committed to the game because he hadn't been playing since he was extremely young. People thought that he wasn't committed to getting fully healthy. That's been that's been batted out of the park at this point because the guy has spoken on several occasions, seems to just love the game. And I think the same appears to Ben Simmons. Um, versatile player, he can do everything on the basketball court. There's no doubt about that. And he's only going to get better, especially if he can develop a shot to, to, um, to create some spacing. But what they do around him is obviously the key part. Um, right now, they have a lot of complementary pieces, arguably, not even, maybe not arguably, their best complementary piece. And the star performer of NBA London for that team was JJ Reddick. By the time, absolutely. By the time Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons come into their prime, uh, JJ Redick may be an afterthought. You know, so uh, it depends what they do going forward. It depends on the development of some of their other guys. I'd say that Dario Saric, seeing how him and Ben Simmons can coexist together and develop together, would be interesting because I do think that kind of they need the ball to do similar things, uh, even if it is in a different way. Um, and then guys that are coming over that they've already stashed, like Korkmaz, uh, people like that. I, th- I think that seeing how they can grow together and seeing how healthy they can stay um, are major factors in Philadelphia's future. For me, I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs if they're able to stay healthy this year. Um, I don't think they'll necessarily make noise in terms of make it to the you know the Eastern Finals, but when you've got so much talent, uh, when when it really matters in big moments. Perhaps they could sneak. They they could sneak a series depending on who they're seeded against. But um, yeah, I think playoffs, first round win at max. Um, but I also don't think it's massively unrealistic to say that they'll just miss out on it. Okay. Now another thing that came up, and I think it was your question actually that was being responded to. Uh, I think it was Simmons talking about a re- no, it was Embiid. Excuse me, it was Joel Embiid. Talking about a potential rematch, do you think uh, it would be worthwhile to have these teams go at it one more time next year in London, or should it be another team, another place, or both? It should be another team. Um, Obviously, selfishly, I'd like it to be Boston Celtics um, every year. I mean, as you can tell from my visits to Boston, I'm going there in February. Um, I'd like to see as much basketball from the Boston Celtics as I can. I'd like to see as much NBA basketball in general. Um, that I can. Um, but for the fan base, which is obviously spliced, it's very varied. There are people even... So I described in a piece I wrote this week, I described NBA London as a bit of a basketball festival that comes around every year. Um, it's nice. not It's not. It's not a home game for anyone, really. Um, it's not as tribal. A lot of people turn up in old Raptors, Vince Carter jerseys. A lot of people have Tracy McGrady, Orlando Magic jerseys. People have Hawks jerseys, New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans jerseys, believe it or not. And I, I feel it's, and there's a lot of activity around it. I feel as though it's just a basketball festival. And for that reason, you have to reward as many of those people as possible. You need to branch out. The game 
has been called into question in Britain. A lot of people have varied opinions. John Amici being one of them, who is one of the most famous NBA players of all time uh, from Britain. He believes that it's in disarray. And then he also believes that people think that it's, as, it's as good as kind of mainland Europe. We're far away from that. But this game, the exposure to the top level and different teams and showing how much parity there is uh, within the NBA is is key. And I think that as many teams visit in London is is better for the game, for the league and for the fans of the UK. Very cool. Well, Boston has a very long history playing overseas. They were one of the first teams to do a global games. I think it was back in 1988 when Danny Ainge was sporting that wonderful El Terrible shirt in Madrid. <laughs> I'm not real sure exactly when it started in London, but one of the things that people have been commenting on, and maybe they'll reverse course once they see how much rest the Celtics have in the second half of the season, but what the impact of what the games do to the schedules of the teams who are playing them, which made me think of a thing that I wanted to ask you about to get your opinion on this. Several of our readers have been talking about for a while now the idea of moving the overseas games to the beginning of the season and either shortening or ending preseason, having, say, maybe like a couple of exhibition games by the teams who are overseas, and then also a couple of regular season games, so they actually count, but at the beginning of the season, so that way they only have one direction to account for. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't heard anyone talk about that so that's that's news to me but for me I feel like that could possibly be a good idea um there are pros and cons of it um one pro would be that yeah perhaps scheduling would be easier um because it's it's a massive ask to ask to bring two teams from the NBA over to Europe and cut off all of their fixtures it would probably be a headache when people are putting together the fixtures at the start of the start of the year and of course there might be some people that see that uh, that believe that Boston have had an advantage uh, being able to kind of create a bit of momentum and then have a bit of time off as they travel but travel isn't rest necessarily I know these guys are living a luxury lifestyle but travel still isn't rest so yeah I think the pros are the fact that the scheduling and um, the fact that once they actually fully get into the season, everyone is playing at the same pace. And then I'd say that one of the cons is the fact that there's, in terms of interest in the league, I guess there's a bit of a momentum. So, you know, key games and key moments and, you know, gifs and uh, and clips and memes, they become a part of the culture worldwide online once the season really gets going. So I think from a publicity point of view, I think maybe like kind of midway through the season is is the most convenient time to um, promote a game abroad. Uh, but, I, I, you know, the interests of the UK-based fans are a bonus and a benefit for the company and the association, but no one's under any impressions that they're the priority. So UK-based fans will take it at any time, um, but it's an interesting point about what uh, fans in general believe to be the better way to do it. And, you know, it seems that Adam Silver is the kind of guy who will try anything once. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, that wraps up the rest of our UK game coverage. You should definitely check out the last two podcasts. We've got one with Josh Liddick at Sports Talk Philadelphia, where we, we 
do kind of a preview. And then we talk about things from an international uh, perspective with Cam Tabatabai from Celtics Hub. You should definitely, 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 definitely check both of those out. Before we get out of here and I hand this back to Topher and Mark, is there anything you are working on or want to plug? Uh, I'm going to be writing about um, something I mentioned earlier on um, for Double Clutch, who we've obviously already mentioned, and that's about um, the sponsorship. So Adam Silver's uh, take on sponsorship and where it seems to be going. Um, And then I'm going to be picking up whatever I can for Celtics Life, and hopefully I'll be able to speak on here sometime soon. And hopefully at least one more time, I'll be able to hear you try to say Cam's name. I really hope so too. Thanks, guys. That was great stuff. Uh, And everybody, don't forget to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. we got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store, and you can even get tickets to the next game under that heading. And you can also check out the the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast routes. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. We really appreciate it. It helps us get seen by other basketball podcast listeners, so it really helps us out. If you have any suggestions, make sure to let us know with a comment on any Celtics Life article or hit us up with the hashtag CLPod. We just want to bring you guys the coverage you guys want just the way you like it. Anything else you want to add, man? I'm good. Take care, guys. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.